Welcome to the Internet Advisor Podcast. I'm your host and producer, Foster Brown. Along with my co-host, Gary Baker, and our team of experts, we've been helping people like you since 1998 with your computer problems, introducing you to valuable resources, and promoting tech enterprise throughout Michigan. The Internet Advisor is a two-hour podcast recorded every week at the studios of historic WJR Radio in Detroit. Only the second hour of our show, which features listeners' questions, is heard live from 5 to 6 p.m. every Saturday on WJR. However, both hours of the show are available each week on this podcast and are streamed to our affiliates across the state of Michigan. We're also proud to be part of Detroit's newest and fastest-growing podcast network, PodcastDetroit.com. And now, here are your hosts with this week's Internet Advisor. Welcome to the Internet Advisor, your place for answers to your computer questions since 1998, with your co-hosts Gary Baker and Foster Brown and their team of tech experts. The door is always open at internetadvisor.net, on Facebook and through Twitter. But right now it's time to get you in touch with your helpful hosts on this week's edition of Internet Advisor. Hello, this is Foster Brown, co-host and producer of the program, and happy... Ada Lovelace Day. <laughs> We're going to tell you more about that and what it has to do with computing in the here and now in particular with getting women involved with science, technology, engineering, and math. All that coming up along with answering plenty of listener questions. That's all coming up on the Internet Advisor. Two hours for you. Stay tuned for a very entertaining day. Welcome to the Internet Advisor, Foster Mom with you, co-host of the program and also producer. And with me, we have Mr. Ed Rudell. Eddie, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. How about you, Foster? Uh, good. I heard you were out uh, being uh, the woodsman this morning. You right? know, first snow starts falling and oh. I'm out in the woods, you know, cutting firewood. You're not allowed to use that four-letter word on the show. You know that. Wood? <laughs> <laughs> snow! Oh, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we can't help ourselves. <laughs> and, and Cal Carson also with us here in studio. Good to have you, Cal. You know, speaking of old wood, um, <laughs> you know, it's starting to freak me out just a little bit. You know, I was listening to the intro to our show, and they, they said ever since, anytime an intro says anything with 19 in it, <laughs> don't you think maybe we've been around a little too long? I don't know. <laughs> But it's good to know that uh, longevity is good, and the internet is still good after all these years. Yeah, changed quite a bit, though, hasn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I remember back in the old days when we used to sit around the campfire and <laughs> load up the old PC with kerosene to make the internet work. <laughs> but, yeah, it's changed a lot. I mean, when you started off in the beginning, you know, my God, web pages that had pictures? Wow. And, and for I know when we first started, when Gary... Uh, um, I brought Gary on as an expert in 1998 to answer some questions that I had about getting connected to the internet, and that was a big issue. Getting connected, right. I think, was far more of an issue then than it certainly is now. And and that's what I used to do for a living. I mean, I, I have an electronics background. I, I, I worked on PCs in the 80s when the first PCs were wow. coming out. I was doing component level repair on power supplies and six pack plus memory cards and upgrading, you know, doing all that stuff. So I, I've been building computers for a long time. And, and then I used to deal 
with, and I, I'm, I'm really not showing my age when I say this, <laughs> but I used to work for a company that actually had teletype systems that had phone modem systems on there with wow. 50 and 300 baud modems. And so for you to have dial-up capability and modem issues, and that was old hat for me. You yeah, know? fascinating. Oh, well, when you think of modems, I mean, like, you know, like the internet, I think... I first started using it when we had 9,600 baud modems. Yeah, yeah, right. And you'd watch that screen paint down <laughs> over the course of about 20 seconds. And you were like really happy that it was coming to you at that speed because that was like fast. And now if you had something like that working that way, you'd be like, you know, punching through the screen. You know, my internet was down yesterday morning through Charter Communication and they actually had a nationwide, very spotty nationwide outage. And uh, from like uh, six in the morning until like nine, ten o'clock in the morning on wow. uh, Friday morning, I worked from home, and you know, uh, it, I really could not work. That's from interesting home. because I think was it uh, last week or was it Facebook was down for a while? Uh, two weeks was, ago. Two weeks ago, and then I mean, it's interesting that uh, despite the fact that that really getting on the internet isn't so much the problem anymore, mm -hmm. uh, versus kind of getting around it, still we've had some major outlets that have gone down for for quite a bit of time. You know what my daughter noticed? I mean, when my, my daughter's now out of school and living with us and starting her first job in publishing and uh, news editing and stuff like that. She's, and she told me this. She goes, you know, Dad, every night the internet goes down from 1230 to 1 o'clock in the morning. And, uh, and I says, well, you know, honey, the internet providers have to provide a maintenance window, but it's really unusual that, they would, that our internet would be out every evening at 1230 at night to 1 o'clock in the morning. It's just weird. Uh, you shouldn't have that many maintenance windows. I'm thinking about calling our internet provider and finding out what is their maintenance window and why is our internet going out every morning? Well, you know, I, I'd I, hate to interrupt her Xbox activities. You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah, you know, you sure don't want to do that because that would, you know, it did destroy the equilibrium and the balance in the universe and that sort of thing. But uh, I don't have that type of issue ever with my internet provider. Thank God for that. So far, so good. Keep fingers well, crossed. I live out in the sticks in Hooterville. And, you know, and pretty much, and I got to climb up on the telephone pole to make a telephone call anymore. So, I, I, I mean, I could expect a few squirrels getting fried on some, <laughs> on some cable line or something like that. But for it to be consistently going out uh, every That's evening for the last several months. Yeah, but it's only for a half hour though, right? Uh, yeah. It doesn't affect me. It affects my daughter. But I'm just curious. I'm going to have to call and see what's going hey on. Hey, guys, a couple items in the news I wanted to talk about quickly before we uh, get on to um, finding out who Ada Lovelace is and what she has to do with our guests who will be coming up. We're having some digital divas coming on with us. Ada. Uh, That's a name Ada? you don't hear that much. No, you don't hear that. But That's because it was from a couple centuries ago. <laughs> In any case, um, I saw an interesting thing I just saw is that Uber is now moving into FedEx's territory to challenge them. They've already kind of challenged the taxis in major cities, and now they're going after FedEx. Okay, so doing now, deliveries. So what you're telling me is that I'm going to pick up my phone, do my Uber app, the car is going to pull up, and I'm going to be sharing my seat with a package. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder if that'll be part of it. Apparently, um, Business Insert, uh, this is one of the companies that tried to use it, uh, tried to use the New York City pilot. A reporter had a raincoat that she had forgotten at a meeting, picked up, and dropped off within 20 minutes for one dollar, uh, for eleven dollars, hmm. in New York City, I'd like to create a conundrum. 
Okay. And that is have a package being delivered by Uber to my house and have Uber come and say, I want to go somewhere at the same time and see if the guy figures out which way to go. <laughs> That'd be crazy in But itself. isn't it interesting that a, a, a company that d- didn't exist until a few years ago and has been kind of scrapping to get into its business, which is delivering people, is now delivering objects the, the question is how big of an object would they, would they yeah. deliver uh, how fast can they deliver it because i got a feeling that it's going to be more of a local concern like oh i need something from one side of the city to the other side of the city that would work really well for the short haul but i can't imagine them doing it from one city to another city like from detroit to chicago mm, should be interesting it's called uber rush keep your eyes out for that we'll be back in just a moment to talk to one of the digital divas Kathleen Norton Schock about some interesting changes that have happened and we'll try to find out who Ada Lovelace was. Hello, this is Foster Brown and Edward Hill and Cal Carson in studio. I mentioned a name a little earlier on in our introduction here. The name was Ada Lovelace and I hope it intrigued you as it did me. This past week I saw Ada Lovelace Day appearing, and it referred to a woman who was, uh, I mean, a rather remarkable woman back in the 1800s, early 1800s. Well, what in the world would our guest, Kathleen Norton Schock, have to tell us about that? One of the first digital divas to appear. (laughs) Kathleen, welcome to the Internet Advisor. Oh, am I hearing you, Kathleen? I hope so. There you are. Good to have you on the air with us. I was teasing a little bit about that. This is a lady who has been around quite a bit longer, and a lady named Ada Lovelace, but somebody I understand who's kind of near and dear to your heart. She is. Actually, you know, my background um, is that I didn't have, even though I've been in the computer industry for over 35 years, my background educationally was classic. In other words, I had a communications and psychology degree from NYU, but prior to that, I was a poli-sci major <laughs> and also a, commu- a communications major at my first Jesuit-oriented college. Oh, my. And Ada Lovelace is Lord Byron's daughter. And Lord Byron is a poet and a famous poet from the late 1700s through 1800s. But more importantly for Ada, her mother is a woman by the name of Annabel Milbank, who was a mathematician, and her mentor is Mary Somerville, who is a writer and a polymath and the very first woman to become a member of the Royal Astronomical Society. Wow. By the way, Kathleen, when you say polymath, if I'm remembering that term, that means somebody who was brilliant in just about every subject that was available at that time. In mathematics, in particular. Right? And so the fact is, Mary, her mother, and and again, think about it, it's the 1800s. Women were operating under a lot of stereotypes that, fortunately, we have released today. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But her mentor was probably one of the most important things to Ada, Mary Somerville. And um, the fact is, that will bring us to a theme when we talk about some of her other things. But Ada Lovelace, in 1842, Foster... She translated the analytical engine into an article, and that was an invention by a guy by the name of Luigi Menabrea, right? Mm -hmm. And in that article, the article contains about three of the very first computer programs translated into into words so that you and I, if we were reading it in 1842, might even understand it. My goodness. 
So then, unfortunately for Ada, <laughs> she died at a very early age, at around mm-hmm. 36, of mm-hmm. cancer. Mm. But in the middle 19, 1900s, around 1940, her work, which was discovered again, inspired Alan, Alan Turing, who yes. was very well known for us in the computer industry. His very first work on the first modern computers in about 1942 was inspired by the work that Ada did 100 years before wow. in 1842. Now, as I understand, she is also, because of her writing about algorithms or the scientific formulas that are used to program computers, she was one of the first computer programmers. Is that fair to that say? That is true. You would put her in, 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 in a group, and there's a group of them. In fact, my fellow diva, Nicole, who hopefully will be calling in soon, yep. is down at the Grace Hopper Convention, uh, with about 12,000 other people wow. <laughs> um, uh, celebrating Grace Hopper, who is also a, a, a strong woman pioneer in our industry. Um, but Ada, a bit older than Grace, mm-hmm. is a very, very big symbol for those of us who celebrate and work with and do things you know, around the tech industry. Kathleen, I've got a couple of guys in studio here with Ed and Cal who... You guys have had your hands on with computers. You love to be tinkering with them. You've built some, Ed, and we're talking about your being involved with the early components of computers. One of the neat things about this is that um, the the computer that Ada was talking about was like big enough, I understand, to fill a whole room, and it was all gears. And it was all conceptual. Yeah, it was. From it Ada's was a perspective cons- in 1842. It was yeah. all conceptual, right? And then that led. To Alan's work in right. 1942. And that was, if I remember from watching the movie, um, oh, what was the name of that movie? Oh, with Alan Turing, about Alan Turing. Yeah, it just didn't came see out. it. <laughs> he developed the Enigma machine during World oh, War II. Oh, Brilliant yeah. Mind. Brilliant oh, yeah. Mind. Mm-hmm. A Brilliant Mind? Or was it? Wasn't that it, the Brilliant, brilliant Mind? No. Guys, help me. What was the... I'm looking at the guys behind the guy. What was the name of the movie that was about Alan Turing and the Enigma machine that just came out? Uh, something mind. Was that the machine that they were using to, to break, break the, the code codes over the Nazis? In, in Nazis? I, I, you know. But anyway, the, the, the it's thing a great was, movie. it was a mechanical device that was enormous. Oh, yeah. And uh, we now are dealing with things that are just in, in terms of, of nanometers that we're talking about. Listen, the person we have with us, Kathleen Nortonchok, is one of a number of... Digital Diva. Oh, yes. Okay, Cal. It's called the imitation game. The imitation game. That's it. I'm sorry. There was a. I had. I wouldn't be able to finish the segment without that. Um, somebody else who's with us right now too is Nicole Johnson, and who is she, my fit is my fellow diva, and that's the right. two of us, along with our third diva, Amanda Lewan, have founded a Detroit-based but actually national group called Diva Tech Talk. It's a it's a communication channel to celebrate women in technology. Oh, that's wonderful. And that's part of what I want to highlight. But Nicole, welcome to the Internet Advisor. How you doing? Hello, great to be here. I understand you're down at the Grace Hopper Convention. Yeah, I just wrapped the Grace Hopper Conference down in Houston, Texas. It was a fabulous uh, conference featuring about 12,000 people this year with a focus on women in technology. What were some of the highlights? You know, we got to see Chelsea Clinton, uh, and really there was a coding, a code for America, and really it's a great blend of students, young, brilliant, awesome female students, a lot of them studying computer science or data analytics, and uh, also a big presence of companies that were hiring on the spot, 
So for the student, it was very awesome to network and, and be able to interview right there. Mm-hmm. And from the corporate side, you kind of have an educational track where you're not only able to network with top women leaders in the industry and hear from them on the main stage, but you're able to help influence these uh, next generation of female leaders in technology. Right, and no. you know, Foster, that's the most interesting thing in some ways uh, to me about being part of Diva Tech Talk. You know, we represent three generations. I'm the baby boomer. Mm-hmm. Nicole is a very young generation X. Uh-huh. And then Amanda Lewan, who's our third diva, is a middle, middle of the generation millennial. And so we cover all three generations. And so as we cover events and we speak to people, we seriously are covering the waterfront in yeah. terms of women leaders. And we- Nicole, and and what's also just fabulous for me is that I I feel like we're all super good friends, and and there is a 30-year age difference in some ways between Amanda and I, and so it's just fabulous to be around these women because we see it from all the perspectives. One of the things that if you go to divatechtalk.com, one of the pictures, if I'm not wrong, uh, that you'll see on the uh, homepage there is a picture of the three of you in our WJR studios. Because our flex- you helped us get our start. <laughs> well, I tell you, I had I had interviewed each of you individually, and the thought that came to my mind was that this wonderful span of ages really represented an incredible combination of women who are involved in technology. And so I'm delighted to see that it has progressed on now to Diva Tech Talk. Right. And part of the reason, you know, um, Nicole is so much of a, the spark plug of our group. And literally, between the two of us, Amanda, too, saw this, but between the two of us, Amanda, uh, uh, Nicole and I kept seeing there were so many digital divas around the nation. The fact is we needed to get a little more unique. So we've rebranded what we've been doing, uh, and we have just an amazing amount of content now that just keeps growing by the day. Am I correct, Nicole? <laughs> yeah, and I think that's, talking about Grace Hopper, I was able to interview several different people down at the conference. I got at least four or five interviews, and the diversity of that is just as exciting as the diversity we have on our on our own Diva team. Mm-hmm. Not, just, not just among the ages, but the background, and I think I, I like to say diversity within diversity. Nicole? Right? I'd like you to hang on just a second, you and Kathleen. We're going to come back after a pause, and I'd like to talk about some of the people that you've been talking with as you have been doing your Diva Tech Talk show. That's coming up here on the Internet Advisor. Hang on. The ladies are in charge. By the way, I hope you'll stick around because in just a little bit, uh, Cal and Ed are going to be talking about the question that comes up very often among our listeners, and that is, should I be upgrading my computer or buying a brand new one? We'll be talking about that right now, however. We're talking with some divas, some digital divas, and that is Kathleen norton Shock and Nicole Johnson, both of whom are partners along with a lady named Amanda Lewan. And they have produced and are producing now a program called Diva Tech Talk. And Kelly, you had a question. Yeah, Nicole, you I heard you say something that kind of shot by my ear and I go like, wait a minute, did she say what I thought she said? Did you say Chelsea Clinton is down there in Texas with you guys? And is she a bithead or, 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 or a geek? Uh, wh- why is she there? Well, they have lots of different keynote speakers on each day. And, um, you know, there's leaders from Google. Uh, who speak about diversity issues, and then there's, you know, all kinds of people from different um, organizations, and she was on one of the panels. 
I would also say, though, however, if you were to come back to the theme of who was Ada Lovelace, <laughs> right, um, Chelsea Clinton is probably a bit of a symbol for some of the things that Ada Lovelace is, too. How so? Right? There's a theme, in fact, in Ada Lovelace life that is about mentors. And then there's a theme about giving. And there's a theme about talent, and I'm sure we none of us would dispute that the fact that Chelsea, Ta- Chelsea Clinton represents talent in her own space, mm-hmm. what she does. And then most importantly, as Ada Lovelace has demonstrated all, to all of us in the middle 1800s, there's a theme of innovation. And the fact mm-hmm. is, if we are con- going to continue to be innovative, like TEDx, like anything else, yep. we need to bring in speakers and people who have diverse points of view, and particularly those in our IT field, Ed, who <laughs> represent a different gender or, 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 or diversity of all kinds. And so I would suggest that it's uh, real appropriate to have a leader of some kind, like Chelsea Clinton, who may not be a geek, but she certainly, you know, has thought. Oh, absolutely. As an innovator. Did you want to respond, Ed? <laughs> no, I, okay. I, yeah, I, was just, I was just reminded of, of my son, and he's going to school, and here I'm this tech person, and, and what is he into? Here I thought I would guide and mold my children and, into an industry, and they're both, interest, they're both intellectuals. Ah. They love history, and they're, they're yeah. or, or and my son's into video productions, and I'm like, they just must have got this from their mom. Well, well, <laughs> you know, I and, and I've had to really know, come you, to you, accept that. Yeah, you know? but you have to remember, you know, that's probably a good thing as well, because Steve Jobs himself, even though he had some technical background, his whole influence upon Apple and the products that they had was from a, a, a artistic standpoint. Yeah, that's true. He wanted everything to have that, that beauty, that flow, that, 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 that artistic value to it that in combined with the technology yeah. to make it a, a, a total package. So I guess it, it's important to have you know, that type of diversity. Uh, Nicole, a question came to my mind from your being down there. Nicole Johnson, uh, you, you worked with Cisco, and I know you were down there interviewing, and we'll talk a little bit about some of the things you bring back to Diva Tech Talk, your program. But uh, is it possible to get past the whole diversity conversation and get down to, I shouldn't say more substantive things, but other substantive things? Well, what do you mean? Well, what I mean is, if you're hung up on talking about diversity and the need for more women, for instance, in technology, do you sometimes miss talking about maybe some deeper issues Mm. that women can speak to? Yeah, definitely. And I think that that is one gap that the Grace Hopper Conference fills because it goes beyond diversity. The number of sessions, because in order to have diversity with with good representation, you need to be educated and well-represented. And I think the variety of topics that would be good for anyone, right? Mm. Uh, how to develop your career, how to be a good leader, how to build a good brand for yourself, and also the technical tracks, right? What's happening with Internet of Things? There you go. How are we using data analytics? What's happening in the cloud? So it's, it's the combination of, yep. yes, there is definitely a conversation around diversity, and like I said, diversity within diversity, but I think the, the greater goal of that conference, and for many of the things that we do, is to keep women educated on the latest topics and make it so that when they go out into the world, they're bringing that information, that knowledge, and that, um, you know, mm-hmm. empowerment with that. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, I understand that you three are definitely into it, and we, and we can definitely see by the, the movement and, and the things that you have accomplished, that sort of thing. What do you do or how do we as a society try to inspire more 
of females to get involved in that type of situation to to do things to make it so that we don't have to go down the diversity path. It's just that Jane is just another tech, just like Ed is another right. tech, and, and we, we value what they bring to the table for the area expertise that they deal with. Well, we make it more welcoming, for one thing. I mean, the good news to me is when I started out in the tech field in the 70s, late 70s, early 80s, um, things were far more obscure for those of us who speak English correctly, for instance, and don't speak in acronyms. (laughs) Things were far more obscure, far harder. Uh, The fact is applications have gotten more and more and more simple and more clean and more elegant. And part of that is the influence of great designers, whether they be male or female, yeah, right? Yeah. And the fact is um, technology permeates every single piece of our lives now. Yes. Um, but the other thing, and we talked about this on NPR, Amanda and I were on NPR about two and a half weeks ago. Mm. We talked about the fact that it was unwelcoming still. You know, I'm, I'm the ex-president, you may remember this, Ed, I'm the ex-president of a software company called Telecorp, and I, and I am now co-founder of a software company called Arden Cause. We do software for the nonprofit world. Mm-hmm. And in both of those situations, uh, uh, recruiting programmers was a huge, huge challenge, right, when you're in a small company versus working at Oracle or IBM or Microsoft or Google or whatever, or mm-hmm. Cisco, where Nicole is. Recruiting is very hard when you're in a medium-sized company. Telecorp is a $10 million company. And recruiting was really, really hard. And I rarely got a female candidate who had SQL or C-sharp or any of the things that I needed, right? Mm. So the fact is, I will tell you, it's still, in many ways, we still have a big gap, a yeah. big gap to... Um, and that's very, very important to fill. By the way, I want to jump to this. Uh, Nicole, you folks, every, is it weekly, have a program called Diva Tech Talk that you produce, right? Right, yes. Okay, yep. and... and what is the what's the theme of that program and who are some of the people you had on so people can get an idea of what that is and then also make sure that we know how to find it yeah you know i was inspired for the show from the michigan council for women in technology because i was going to all these great events they were having and i thought to myself wow this woman on the panel was influential if only i could share this story with my network so after that i thought hey why don't i do that and what we try to do is we try to capture the women's individual journey in a technology career or leading up to a technology career as we uh, look to both the upcoming leaders and the current leaders. So the format of our podcast is really to share their personal journey, you know, beyond just uh, trends in technology. But we usually talk to them about how they got to where they are, how they're leveraging their position today, or what cool projects they're working on. And my favorite part is when we talk about their words of wisdom and advice. Because nothing's it. better than history itself to, you know, help it uh, strengthen others. If you go to divatechtalk.com. And on Facebook, oh, it's and also Diva Tech Talk. And oh, so, excellent. for instance, today we have a blog from Michelle Billingsley, who is the CIO and Senior Vice President of Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan, mm. describing her journey. She, we didn't podcast her yet. She just shared her blog with us. We also yeah. have Sue Shade who Nicole interviewed, <laughs> who is I think CIO, that that for, one, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, CIO for a major, uh, another health care. Um, uh, and, and we, by the way, last week, um, in mid-career, we interviewed a woman by the name of Marina Reyna, who is a digital marketing leader at um, another company. I mean, please, 
visit us. We, right now we have 12 podcasts. Yes. Our Facebook page is even more robust because beyond our own podcasts, we also put up information from this wide range I love of it. people. I love it. And uh, you guys are all involved. Matter of fact, uh, uh, Nicole, I know you went down to South by, uh, South by Southwest, didn't you? That, uh, Amanda gathering? did. Oh, Amanda yeah, did. Amanda did, yeah. Oh, I love it. Good coverage there. What's, really so, nice what's so neat about that is you you do represent different generations, and you've got uh, you know twenty something or close to thirty something uh, Amanda who is down with that rockin' group at South by Southwest, and then you Nicole are at the Grace Hopper convention. You've been there uh, interviewing people, and Kathleen, you also with your your incredible network are probably bringing in a lot of people for the interviews as well. So it's a really neat net that you folks cast. Right. We have, um, Nicole interviewed one of, uh, a woman by the name of Shadra Chaplot, who was in her late 20s, and then, you know, we contrasted that with interviewing Jane Sidlowski, who is a 27-year entrepreneur running a company that does software. I mean, we have all of these people who range in generations, but have one thing in common. They're all innovative, they're all bright, and they're all in technology. You think you're going to run out of uh, guests? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> someone, uh, someone recently asked me, how do we get our guests? And it really does show the power of networking. Absolutely. And you folks are great at doing that. Well, I'm very proud to know you guys and to know that you've gone on to do a great job here at DivaTechTalk.com. It's a place to find Nicole Johnson, Kathleen Norton-Shock, and Amanda Lawad. It's great work you're doing. We hope to have you guys back in studio again for a reunion sometime soon. Well, Thanks so much for being with us. Take care. Welcome to the Internet Advisor. I'm Foster Brown. I want to thank Shannon Maley and Mike Stett, who are behind the glass, helping us out. Appreciate their help very much. Coming up this next hour, by the way, we're going to be answering your questions. But, you know, guys, uh, uh, Cal and Ed, one of the things that comes up on a regular basis as kind of now an undercurrent with a lot of the questions we're asked is, should I be upgrading my computer, whether it's a PC or a laptop, or should I be just buying a brand new laptop? And I know we've kind of come around to be encouraging people to avoid a lot of the hassles and just buy a, a laptop, for instance, that has Windows 10 on right. as an example. How do you make that decision? I'm thinking, and I thought about this because we were talking about it last week, and Gary was giving an answer, and you were giving an answer, and I was keeping quiet. And what I basically think is if you're one of those people like, you know, oh, you know, seeing what's around the corner, waiting for that next upgrade, see if it's going to do, then go for it. You know, but if you're a person that, you know, I like smooth sailing. I don't like, I mean, I like the way the computer's running now. I don't want things to change. Why should I need to upgrade? Then don't. Hmm. I mean, that that's really my opinion. I had a buddy that did the same thing. And I said, Johnny, if you didn't have chaos in your life, and, and you may when you try to put... <laughs> Windows 10 on that old computer that you have there, then you wouldn't be happy. <laughs> you know, and some people are like that. Gal, your thoughts? You know, it's 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 a multi-phased approach as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I think exactly what Ed said makes a lot of sense. Uh, the first thing I would say is that if you're able to do everything you want to do with the computer mm -hmm. just the way it is, at the speed that it's running and everything that's going with it, don't rock the boat. Leave now, it alone. Wait, would that include sticking with Windows XP, for instance? Well, you, there's no way that a Windows XP computer would be could even run, um, you know, 
There's a Win- lot of Windows things, 10. Yeah, there's a lot of things on the internet that's just not going to work under Windows XP anyway. Okay, okay. So you're probably going to walk by it. So once again, what I'm saying is that if you can do everything that you need to do on a daily basis with the computer, if everything's working fine, if the speed of that computer is fine, if everything about that computer is meeting to your satisfaction at that time, mm-hmm. why are you changing it? Okay. If you're getting your email and, the way you want it, yep. if you can do... And maybe you just have a few things you do. You have some games that you play or whatever, and they're all you can still play them. Okay. Now, so so that this brings up the second point. So that means we have another group that is that the people that like chaos or the people that are looking forward to upgrading, mm-hmm. or or the or you have people in the other camp. They liked where their computer was at, you know, with Windows Seven or Windows. Uh, Eight, but it's you know it's it's so sluggish and you know will Windows okay. Ten actually fix it for me? Yes. Well, actually, then there's three camps. There's three camps. Oh, here we because go. Thank you. Before, You're right. Because <laughs> before you can even go into the two camps that you just talked about, you have to go into the economic camp. Now it's like, okay, what's cheaper? Is it better for me to spend the money and put it into the old computer to uh-huh. make it compliant? Or is it better for me to buy a new computer with the new operating system and everything with it? To make it work. So help, then, help us make some decisions along those lines. Well, the first thing you're going to do is look at your wallet. What is my budget okay. going to allow okay. for me to do at this particular time? So then once you know that you have X amount of dollars to spend, now you have to value out, okay, what's, what's it going to cost to buy more memory, to buy a bigger hard drive, to mm-hmm. buy the operating system itself if needed? All those pieces, and you add that up. And then you also add on to that time well there's a lot of people that had that that if they're considering getting windows 10 they may not want to upgrade at all i mean there's there may be no reason to add additional components so think, oh, that, okay, think of it as being zero cost i want to upgrade this computer to zero 10 you know we need a flow chart <laughs> we really do a decision flow chart yeah it's not just just that easy cut and dry it isn't you know? no, no but, but cal you made a good point and and forgive us folks if sometimes we say well I'll just upgrade and buy a new computer i couldn't do it I couldn't do it right now. Even if it was a very inexpensive computer, I couldn't do it. We just don't have the extra money to do that. So what do you do? You back up your existing computer. Yes. And and what I would do, I would back up my existing computer, and then, if I had to, I'd throw the original operating system that came from the manufacturer with Windows 7 or Windows X8, you know, and do a system restore, or not a system restore, um, a manufacturer's restore. You have a clean slate at that point. At that point, you make a decision. Do I want to stay with Windows 7 or 8 that, that just 8. came out of the box? Yeah. And then put my data back on there, or maybe because it's I'm 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 fresh out of the box, I'll try before I put my data on there. I'll throw a clean copy of Windows 10 on there. Okay, see if so, I like it. And, and and in terms of cost, you could for zero dollars move from Windows 7 or Windows 8.1 mm-hmm. to or eight no any Windows eight, 8. okay to Windows 10. You could do that. Mm-hmm. Exactly what Ed was saying. Yep. That would be the way if I was going to try it yep. for a zero cost game. That's exactly the way I would and do it. And the key to that again is you've backed up your data. Yep. Well, you, you back two keys. You backed up your data. Most importantly, which you should be doing anyway. Yes. And then, second of all, you've established a clean base. Yes. In which to lay everything down on, so that you get everything just right. Working on a platform that you've had for a while. Because so many, because so many people that have difficulties running Windows 10 or in mm-hmm. upgrading to Windows 10, it's because they're having disk errors. There was yes. already operating system corruption okay. and you're, stuff you're, like that. You're, you're you're going in the direction. So let's say I've done that. I've cleaned everything off. I've got a clean system right now. The other issue then may be 
is is my is my hardware up to it? Is the hard drive up to it? Is that what? Well, you're when you do the install, if I'm not mistaken, of Windows yes. 10, there's a compatibility checker you can run against it to check out the hardware. Isn't right, that that's that diagnostic program, and it also will check bef- during the setup process. And so it will tell you whether or not you you got enough snuff to be able to cut the mustard in the first place. Okay. Then I also heard you saying, guys, that um, w- in terms of steps that you would take next from zero dollars, if you would move up, for instance, memory would be the next step in terms of cost. Uh, it would be maybe between 50 and $75 you can get a, two a lot or four. Of, yeah, four four-year-old computers probably shipped with one or two gigabyte. Mm-hmm. If you were, if you were, had enough foresight, you may have got four or eight gigabyte on there. Mm-hmm. Four or eight gigabytes more that is, an, is perfect to run Windows 10. But w- isn't it true that one of the cheapest ways of improving the performance would be to increase To change your, your oil ramp. every... every <laughs> 5,000 miles, yep. Uh, oh, that's yeah. wrong show. <laughs> memory memory normally would be the cheapest point in the game, but what I have found with memory is that when you first buy a computer and has that new memory that's out, that memory is very expensive. And then as the years go by, the price goes down on that memory. But after a certain number of years, then the price starts going back up on it because it becomes l- less and less available, and it costs more and more to be able to get a hold okay. of it. So there's a sweet spot you have to be aware of as well. And am I right, guys, that when you're looking for upgrading memory, one of the things to do is to go to either Kensington or Crucial, Crucial those, those yeah. two places, Crucial.com or Kensington.com, and put in the make uh, or model of your computer. They have a great PC. interface that, yep. that breaks down make, model, And if you tell game. it what that is, it'll tell you what kind you've got and then what you need to, imp- you know, to, to right. buy mm-hmm. in order to go up to four or six or eight or whatever. And, and then I do. go to Amazon.com and get it cheaper there. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 I, the reason I bring up the Kensington, am I right on this? That going to Kensington or Crucial is it's, important. It, it's not Kensington, it's actually Kingston. Kingston, I beg your pardon. But that's Thank okay, you. you won't burn in heck for it. <laughs> Kingston or Crucial. Why Correct. did I catch that? Huh? Okay, so it's Kingston. Because I've been living memory for years. Dot com memory uh, or crucial and i mentioned that because you can actually buy the wrong kind of memory can't you yeah you know even though it'll fit it may not work you got ps or pc twos and threes and and there's so dim and and all sorts of different the worst thing you can do is that if you're running if you got memory for example in your machine that runs at 100 megahertz and you buy additional memory that runs at 95 megahertz it's going to throttle all your memory down to the lowest speed okay i'm going to do this this is part one folks Part two of our exciting combination of upgrade or replace will come in hour number two as we're talking with uh, some of our listeners about questions they have. And maybe we can continue this conversation talking about hard drives as a possible way of improving your life and your computer. Coming back with that in the second hour of uh, of our program. Of course, that's the part of the program where we're answering questions. By the way... InternetAdvisor.net is our homepage. Hope that you will visit that because we'll have our show notes there. And uh, you can link, for instance, to the Diva Tech Talk site and find out more there or to those uh, Kensington, uh, pardon me, Kingston or Crucial.com. And we'll be back with our number two where we hopefully will be solving some problems for you as well here with the Internet Advisor. You're listening to a podcast of the Internet Advisor Show. To see the show notes for this program, Visit our homepage, theinternetadvisor.net. You'll discover past podcasts, our free toolkit with software to clean up your computer and keep it running strong, 
and many other resources. You'll also find links to MITechnews.com, our co-sponsored weekly tech and entrepreneur newsletter, edited by Mike Brennan. If you have a question for our hosts, just click the contact button on the homepage and send us an email with the details. And don't forget to look for us on Facebook and Twitter and at Detroit's newest podcast network, podcastdetroit.com. Now let's get back to the second hour of the Internet Advisor. Welcome to hour number two of our Internet Advisor podcast. I'm Foster Brown, the co-host of the program and also the producer, and we've got a great hour coming up where we're going to be answering some of the questions that you provide us with. And by the way, you can do that very easily by going to our homepage, internetadvisor.net, and up on the top right-hand corner, there's a contact button. Click on that, send us an email with your question, and you could be hearing us answer it during this second hour. Stay tuned as we tackle some of your problems coming up. Welcome to hour number two of the Internet Advisor, and thank you for joining us. We'll be handling your questions in just a moment. But first of all, time to hear from Mike Brent, who's the editor of MI Tech News. Mike, how are you doing out there? Always great, Foster. Thanks for asking. Glad to have you here with us. A uh, big weekend, of course, with the football rivalry going on, so I know that uh, it's important for us to get this done in a speedy manner, right? <laughs> well, you know... Uh, It's a crazy weekend in Ann Arbor. It certainly has to be. All right, let's take a look at some of the headlines, uh, some examples of the headlines that are available, by the way, folks, for you absolutely free if you are subscribing to MI Tech News. Uh, State unemployment rate falls below national rate for the first time since 2000. Now, that's got to be good news. Yeah, I think the governor has been kind of crowing about that, but as well he should. He's He's played a big role in that, other factors, of course, as well. But it's at 5%, which your people go, well, it's still pretty high. But the national average is 5.1%. And just a year ago, the Michigan average was 6.7%. Yeah, now, the other question is how many people will stop looking for jobs? That's always yep. you know, come up is, you know, they've given up looking for jobs, so they fall out of the statistics. So you're not really sure. It's still good news no matter how you look at it. Yeah, and, and that's been the case all along that that's the factor has been there so i think that the best news is uh, the the big drop from six to five which is i think that's even bigger headline anyway moving right along boy talk about a drop um there have been a lot of uh pieces of information that have been dropped all over the internet and these high-tech hacks that have been going on apparently we're beginning or the companies out there are beginning to feel the pinch from the insurance companies yeah, they have cyber insurance now these days, and because of all these various hacks, boy, are the rates going up. Uh, but, I mean, what are you going to do? If you don't yeah. pay for the insurance and you get hit, and you're a big company, you could be on the hook for hundreds of millions of dollars. So if you got to pay, what, like, I don't know, they, they, they weren't real specific on how much it's going up, but it is going up considerably. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then the ceiling, the limit damage is only $100 million. That's the other thing. So if you get on the hook for more than $100 million, you're on your own, baby. Yeah. It, no good scenario there. Uh, well, a piece of good news, however, that showed up uh, in your headlines was the uh, final tally on the money that was raised at the 10th Annual Michigan Council of Women in Technology a gala that happened uh, last uh, weekend. 
Yeah, well, last weekend, I'm sorry I couldn't make it. I was up in Traverse City, but uh, we were well represented there. Matt Raj was there, and then uh, 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 one of my reporters was there. Yeah, Gary was there. Right. Nicole Johnson, who covers uh, MCWT for me, was there. Anyway, they raised uh, $390,000 in Excellent. donations. Drew six hundred people, big, big. That's pretty good, huh? That's and all that money, all that money gets rolled into the foundation from which they fund all the scholarships and the summer camps for the girls and all that stuff. Exciting! Sounds like a lot of people believing in getting women involved in technology, and that is great news. Hey, let's wrap up with one thing. Looking ahead to the week uh, coming up, your M squared Techcast, uh, along with Matt Roush, has got some pretty impressive guests. We're able to line up a few, including Matt. Now, Matt's on his fall tech tour, which is part of what he used to do when he was at that other radio station that we can't name. Uh, and anyway, he's up there running around northern Michigan, so he's going to be calling in live from wherever it is, and I'm not even sure where it is yet. But at 3 p.m. on Monday on the Podcast Detroit Network, that's podcastdetroit.com, we'll be live. Matt will be calling in to do the, well, the news segment with me, and then he's going to talk about wherever he's at and how he's been doing but then beyond that, what we're going to have is uh, Ken Rogers out on the show, a longtime friend of mine, oh, yeah. and the guy that really you know took Brooks Patterson's idea on Automation Alley and, and made it work. And Automation Alley has been around, I think, since 97 or 98, mm -hmm. so pretty good track record. Uh, so Ken will be on the show. We're also going to have uh, Andrew Basile, Jr., uh, who's uh, a, an attorney that's had a lot of experience in Silicon Valley, and uh, he's now back in Michigan. He's a Michigan native. He's going to be talking about some of the things Michigan can still do to make the state more entrepreneur-friendly. We're never going to be Silicon Valley, but there's still some things we can do. Well, that's excellent. And by the way, folks, that podcast that Mike and Matt uh, host every week on Monday afternoons at 3 o'clock on the Podcast Detroit Network is part of a double-header package that you get when you subscribe to MI Tech News. And Mike, why don't you just briefly tell people what they get for free? Well, we have two newsletters now. We have the Wednesday newsletter that features all the podcasts for everybody we're working with, including you guys at Internet Advisor. Also includes the IT and the D, which is the founding fathers of Podcast <laughs> Detroit. Uh, and and uh, we have uh, you know stuff that comes in from the Mobile Technology Association of Michigan, the Digital Divas, which they now have a new name, but they're going to be starting up again here shortly, and they'll be on that. So that's the audio and soon the video newsletter if you want to watch or listen. On Fridays, which uh, we just put out uh, yesterday, uh, is the story newsletter, and we've condensed that way down because we were getting complaints that <laughs> the newsletter was too long, had too much stuff in it. So, uh, so now we've shrunk that down to headlines. It's a lot cleaner. Yep, Everything is much. mobile friendly so that you can read it on a smartphone or a tablet or, or you still can read it on a desktop, obviously. Uh, and, uh, again, we're going to be launching video in the first quarter, so lots of ways to get your news. Yeah, Mike, and, and just a reminder for you folks out there that the way to get hold of MI Tech News is simply by going to MITechnews.com and subscribing there, or go to our homepage, internetadvisor.net, and when you get to one of our podcasts, click on that. You'll see a subscribe button down in the section where we give you the headlines that Mike and I talk about every week. Mike? Enjoy your weekend. Oh, I plan to. Thanks very much, Foster.
Mr. Mike Brennan, the editor of MI Tech News, is with us every week about this time to give you some headlines and uh, give you a little hors d'oeuvre, something to whet your appetite if you're interested in technology. Coming up in just a second, uh, and this is going to strike close to home. You'll find out why I'm saying that. We'll be talking with some of you who have uh, expressed some concerns about problems you're having with your computers, uh, getting on the Internet, getting around it, and sometimes just getting over it. That's all coming up. By the way, don't forget, you can get your questions to us any time of the week, 24-7, by going to our homepage, internetadvisor.net, and then clicking on the Contact Us button, and then sending us an email with your questions. Back to answer those questions in just a moment with Cal Carson and Ed Rudell. My name is Foster Brown. Please stick around. We've got some answers for you. Welcome to our problem-solving segment of the program. For those of you who get to enjoy both hours of our podcast, uh, this is the time when uh, you folks have called us, or pardon me, have uh, gotten in touch with us through the um, program that we have called Contact. And that's if you go to our internetadvisor.net website. In the upper right-hand corner of our homepage, you'll see a button that says Contact. And uh, when you click on that, you can send us an email with your questions. And that's what we do on the weeks that we're preempted. For instance, when uh, Michigan and Michigan State face off, uh, when there's no way we're going to get close to the radio waves. <laughs> oh, there's nothing nothing better I like doing than working an 8- to 10-hour day and coming home and answering listener questions. <laughs> you know, I, you do it. You do it. I, it do, is, I really enjoy it. It is really, really cool how you thought up that neat name contact. <laughs> you know, it just kind of says it all. You know? It certainly does. And somebody who took us at our word was Mark Haddad, I believe we'll pronounce that last name. Uh, he said, I have a new iMac running Yosemite with Windows 7 on a boot camp partition. Uh, just quickly, let, uh, Cal, just tell folks what that means. Translate. That mean. yeah, tra- <laughs> <laughs> I have decided to take my Mac and pollute it with Windows. No, I'm oh. just kidding. Uh, I'm just kidding. No. Actually, what it is is that w- with the Mac and probably with other computers as well, you can set up what you can call a uh, separate partition on a hard drive. And right. that is basically what you're doing is you're telling the operating system uh, that you want to divide the hard drive, not necessarily in equal portions, but into different portions, and you want to be able to run different operating systems in different uh, areas of the hard drive. And so the hard drive has to be formatted a specific way for a Windows operating system and a specific way for a Mac operating system. But you can do that using a tool called Boot Camp on a Mac, and that can make you set up, gives you the ability to set up a partition where you can run the Windows operating system on the same machine. Okay. So, so basically, yeah, since uh, Apple used started using Intel processors, we now have the ability to run Windows on the hardware, uh, the same hardware. Right. Uh, that's Correct. a Mac. Right. Okay. Correct. You don't run them simultaneously with Boot Camp as one or the other. With Boot Camp, it's one or the other. You can right. only run one uh, partition at a given time. Right. Where if you use a virtual machine software right. such as um, uh, um, VM Fusion yeah, or Parallels, Parallels right. you can actually run both operating systems simultaneously. And you can do the same thing, for instance, on a Windows machine. You can run a Mac OS in you a can? virtual machine. In a virtual machine, can't you? No, no, it's illegal. Oh, I beg your pardon. I'm sorry. No, you can only go one way. No, you have to run Franken oh. compu- Frank <laughs> Mac if you want to do that. And that's completely illegal. Oh, all right. All right. Now then, getting back to our caller. Uh, our our uh, listener, when running Windows, I'm regularly getting invitations to upgrade to Windows 10. I've been ignoring them. 
A few times when I was away from my desk, Windows 10 began downloading without any action on my part. On those occasions, I canceled the download. I would like to try Windows 10, but from what I've read on the Apple support pages, it can't be done really very easily. Apple seems to suggest that you really need to delete Windows 7 partition and start over with a fresh boot camp partition. In other words, you can't go from a Windows 7 on a boot camp and upgrade the way you would if you were on a Windows uh, 7 machine, for instance. That's what he seems to be saying there. And start over with a fresh boot, uh, boot camp partition. If so, why is Windows teasing me to download the free upgrade? I fear loss of data and of boot camp partition. Any suggestions? Well... Uh, the Windows upgrade is not teasing him. It's just doing what Windows has set up for their operating system to do. They're offering him the upgrade and saying, here, you can have this, enjoy it, and, 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 and have a good time with this operating system absolutely for free. So he's not necessarily being teased. The second thing is that I believe maybe either he read a different forum or he read some information and thought he saw something but really wasn't. Apple is not saying that you need to do that situation. Matter of fact, um, there is a specific web page in the Apple support uh, area that tells specifically how to go about doing the upgrade uh, of your Windows partition that is under the boot camp. And it says nothing uh, as far as what I've read on it that you have to you know, take it out and then reload it all over again. You just follow the instructions that they have there, and basically it's pretty much bring up the machine, make sure you have all the latest updates to the Mac OS operating system, specifically for the camera, and I think there was one for oh. for the printers, okay. and you make sure those are up to date first. Once oh, okay. those are up to date, then you can go ahead and administer the Windows 10 update against that Windows 7 or Windows 8 that you have on that mm. machine. The update should go in. You reboot, and everything should be hunky-dory. That's kind of like Ed, you were talking before in the first hour about when before you run Windows 10, check your machine, run as a compatibility. Uh, there is a Microsoft a diagnostic utility that's in the notification area. Check my computer to see if it'll run. So you're essentially, what you're saying, Cal, is if you're on a Mac... And even if you're in boot camp, you need to check out whether your com your computer has all what that's necessary to make that jump. Every operating system, in, anytime you're getting ready to do updates, before you do those updates, you want to make sure you have all the latest drivers that that's are necessary important. for it. By doing that, that way you don't try to put stuff in after the fact, which makes it very difficult to do. Now, does boot camp provide um, uh, updates or um, occasionally... Say I've, I've been running Windows 7 on a MacBook for quite a while. D I mean, it, does Boot Camp provide updates to their software that I can download? No. Uh, you, you just but, have to download the updates to the operating system of the Mac itself. Boot Camp interacts with that operating system. Uh -huh. So the operating system would have all the updates within it, and it would talk to Boot Camp. I, I was just wondering if, if Boot Camp had any updates that might... You know, like, we're going to protect your Mac because Microsoft may stomp all over your boot sector and stuff like that. But that's not the case. They make it very clear to you that once you load Windows onto your machine using Boot Camp, the maintenance for protecting it from viruses and all that sort of stuff are all going to be Windows tools. Mm -hmm. They're not going to cross out of the partition, at least as it stands today, mm -hmm. and go into the Mac side. And even if they did cross over to the Mac side, now they'd have to be written for the Mac operating but system. To, to well, yeah, I wasn't referring to that. I was referring no. to that the Windows update may damage boot camp in some way. 
and and you're saying that that's not going to happen. No, it's pretty that's well walled exactly off. That's exactly what I'm yeah. saying. Okay, it's I just want to make make that clear. Second, that but a second part of that, though, along your question, will the Windows operating system on the boot camp partition update itself? Will it receive updates from uh, Microsoft, for instance? As and, and long as you, as long as you have that partition up and running, and it's talking to the internet, it's just like a regular PC just sitting there, and it's going to take in the updates whenever Microsoft has them, and they will apply them. I got it. Okay. So um, it, sh- it, it should be something that isn't, uh, they shouldn't be scared of, in other words. No. And matter of fact, I included on there the link specifically from Apple explaining all the ins and outs to doing this. Okay. And we will post that. We will post that as well, uh, along with the answer to uh, Mark's uh, question. But it sounds almost like it's one of the safest ways of experimenting or trying out Windows 10 because it's in a totally... Um, it's like in, in a sandbox. In, yeah, it's in a sandbox. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so it can do its own thing over there. It's not going to affect anything that's going on hmm. on the Mac side of the computer. And it's a completely isolated it's a sandbox or partition within the system, so you could then reboot into the win- into the Mac, uh, into whatever you happen to be running. By the way, is there? Um, can it only run, like for instance, in Yosemite or? No, Boot Camp's been around for not, quite not a while. Not Boot Camp, but I meant the Windows 10. Does it have to have a... Windows 10 is running on a separate partition ah. in the machine, has no effect at all on what's going on in the Apple partition. Yeah, I mean, you could have installed it on... On How far back could you have run? That, that's my question. Line. You could have run it on Lion, even previous yes. generations yeah, of Lion, yeah, OS X. Oh, yeah. okay. So Boot Camp's yeah. been around for a long time. To Basically, the cutoff date was you can install the Windows operating system once the Mac started using Intel processes, which was with OS X, I believe, right? Correct. Right, mm. yeah. Okay, but it makes it even safer in some ways to test the thing out. Uh, would be uh, the Mac, it's funny, the Mac yeah. atmosphere is one of the safest ways to test out Windows 10. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's just a separate it's separate partition. It's doing its own thing over there. If it gets infected, it stays infected by itself, and it doesn't affect the rest of the Excellent. Computer. Thanks, guys, for answering that. And we will uh, post, by the way, that connection to the support system. About uh, give you some more tips on that. Uh, coming back in just a moment, we're going to be talking with something that uh, hits particularly close to home for me. It's a question that I hope will bring peace to my abode. <laughs> Coming back with the Internet Advisor on Solving Problems. Hi there, Foster Brown. And by the way, with uh, Cal Carson and Ed Verdell in studio, I want to remind you on days when we cannot take your calls at that 800 number, we love getting your questions by sending us a message through our contact button, which is on our homepage at internetadvisor.net. And um, somebody who was <laughs> sent it a question as my uh, beloved bride, Ginny, Jenny, welcome to the Internet Advisor. Well, hello. Hello. Normally, you are sitting at home uh, enjoying, I hope, the fact that uh, I am taking care of business there and uh, you don't have to be on the air. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But recently, you've been having problems with your laptop. It's an HP Elite that we got from Machine Hamlin, by the way, guys, and it's running Windows 10. It's uh, a refurbished, but it's only about a year old, so it's a really good machine. Oh, so now we're all set, Ed. Shane's got to answer his question. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. It's going to be his hassle. But one of the things that I wanted to, to bring up is because this is something that Ginny is a big Facebooker. Am I right saying that, Jen? Yes. 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 I'm on Facebook a lot. Continually. The story of my life is being played out on Facebook. Right. <laughs> Not by me, but by my wife. Now. One of the things that I am hearing more and more from behind me as she's working on her machine is, no, don't do that to me. 
And it has to do with when you hit Facebook in particular and you start to type something in on your laptop, um, what happens to what you're typing? Well, I just tried to, our daughter asked for a restaurant recommendation. So I typed in, we like, and then I typed the name of a restaurant. Mm -hmm. And it immediately put, repeated it again and left the spaces out. So it had the name of the restaurant twice and no spaces. And then when I tried to fix it, it blocked out part of it. It dropped half of it down onto the next line. And then I, then it began to do other crazy things. And this is kind of what happens. It, it, um, it puts extra letters in. Sometimes the letters make sense. Sometimes they make no sense. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, and I, I'm holding my key, my hands up, so I'm not touching anything else. I'm being very careful. No, you, so you read my reply. So <laughs> I replied to her email, and then we get this at work where people will talk about their, they get their new laptop, and they're typing, and their cursor bounces all over the place, mm. or they, they're typing a sentence, and then, the, and then all of a sudden they're typing in the middle of another word. Yeah. And and I described that that's that if you have a touchpad, mm-hmm. uh, are you using in an uh, the, the glide point mouse that's on that's on the touchpad of your mm-hmm. laptop mm-hmm. or using an external mouse. I went that way mm-hmm. uh, when I discussed this with Jenny, but uh-huh. th- because that happens quite frequently. And yep. what you do is you go into Windows and you reduce the sensitivity of your touchpad or you disable ah. it altogether and, and you use an external mouse just to troubleshoot. But at the beginning of the show, because th- I answered this question this morning, I went on the Facebook and I typed in a reply and I got a very... A reply to a post my daughter put out there, and I got uh-huh. a very similar activities when I was typing in Facebook. So it's, hap- uh-huh. it's happening to Ed as well. Okay, and I'm so. running Windows Seven, not Windows Ten. Yes. Okay, because it started just around the time we put Windows Ten on, so it, it wasn't always this way. Okay, and dumb. And cl- the other thing it does is the whole page moves around and yeah. it sometimes continues to move while I'm working on it. Yes, and, um. and that's another symptom I, I, I noticed in the last couple of days in Facebook because I'm I'm a troll mm-hmm. and, and we do a <laughs> lot of family activities and I'm like, yes, I know you got engaged. Okay, and I'm hitting the page down button on my keyboard. And as I'm paging down, Facebook is quickly trying to insert ads in between all of my family and friends posts because i'm just facing jumping down and then all of a sudden the what i'm viewing because i page down several times disappears Uh and scrolls back up because oh no scrolls down more because facebook decided to insert three more ads in between two different posts so they've made some sort of change i'm speculating kelly you also had some just a quick thing guys this is happening on facebook and it's happening in both browsers uh jenny has uh Edge. Yeah, I've tried the other. Foster always says, oh, go to the other browser. After Edge. I figured out what a browser was, that, <laughs> that was my first thing. Um, it, I, I did that, and I've tried it on both. And it moves around. It also shrinks and gets bigger. Now, I can fix that. But um, shrinks I'll and be get bigger. And, yeah. Shrinks and gets mm-hmm. bigger. Oh, the screen actually. Is, how are you fixing that? Are you touching um, the... I just put my fingers on the screen and pull it in or push it out. Ah, okay. So she has a touchscreen. Okay, Cal. So we might be dealing with a combination. A screen, yeah. We might be dealing with a combination of things, and and that is that as you're typing um, on on HP notebooks, there is a scroll area on the right hand side. 
So mm -hmm. as you're typing... Ah, on, the, you, on the touchpad. On the touchpad. On the right-hand side, there's a scroll area. So okay. if you accidentally, you know, you're probably like me and you use your index finger to, to, to navigate and then you click and then you start typing, it's possible yeah. that that you've activated a scroll area on your screen. Cal, you understand? And, and, it, and it could I'm be sorry. expanding the screen or shrinking it. Okay. And, and you do know how to fix it by doing, yeah. Yeah. I've seen the same I can, thing. I can live with that. Yeah. It, uh, the, the thing that it's moving around um, doesn't make any sense to me. But the most, the biggest problem is the one where it won't accept a plain English message that I'm trying to type. <laughs> it wants to scramble it and do something crazy with it. And the only way I've found to get rid of it is to go back to my email, which then I have the option, stay on this page or leave this page, and I click leave this page. Go back to my email and come back again. Find the, the thing I wanted to comment on and start again. Sometimes I have to do that three different times, but eventually mm. I'll get to make the comment. Cal, you had a thought? Yeah, but I mean, you know, after listening to Ed, I'm, I'm halfway not going to go that direction. But the first thing that came to mind is, when was the last time you rebooted the computer? What? What was the last time that you completely rebooted the computer? I don't know. Foster, when did we reboot? Uh, I did it to, uh, a couple of days ago. Okay. And then the other thing I'm thinking, just purely out of the blue, how about resetting the browser completely? You know, you go into Internet Explorer, oh. you go to options, Internet Options, and then I think it's under Advanced, and then you could reset the browser back to factory defaults, and then try and see how those pages work for you. You know, that's okay. probably a good idea. I mean, both Google and Internet Explorer and Edge have the ability to reset and clear browser history and, and stuff like that. That's mm. probably a good idea, too. Mm. I won't lose anything, though, like my emails or anything. No, 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 no. When you're doing no, when you reset the browser, this is for everybody who's listening, when you reset the browser, you're putting the browser back to the factory standards, you won't lose any of the material that you got through the browser, such as email oh. or your Facebook yeah. settings. But there's two things that make me suspicious here, uh, Ed. When I'm looking at Cal, um, this seems to be mainly with Facebook. Now, did this happen in email, Jenny? Not the, not the scrambled wording. It, okay. the, the page is moving around. This is new. This has only just started happening where it, it's moving around on the screen. I can bring it back. I mm -hmm. don't know why it's doing that. It didn't used to do that. But so that's another issue, I, I, perhaps. Am I right, guys? Mm -hmm. That might be a secondary issue. You don't have a cat that's sitting next to you. No, no cats. No, no cats, cats in the house. <laughs> Thank you. But Our it's a scrambling of the letters that that, that is the part that is maddening. I can't really live with very well. I tell you, I took her computer to try this out, and I typed a simple sentence, put a period at the end of it, all of a sudden, the sentence disappeared and reappeared with no spaces. And it was almost as if it was just one long word. Well, unless I'm phrasing the question wrong, I can't seem to find anything on, on Google with a bunch of other people saying the same mm. thing. So I think it's something localized. But, you know... I, well, well, I mean, it seems to be only Facebook. So yep. if you go to another... Did the problem manifest when you went to the internetadvisor.net and then typed into our form your comments or, or questions to us? No, I... And the answer is probably going to be no. No, it did not. It only happened with Facebook. I mean, yep. So my speculation is Facebook's made some changes so they can add additional ad space, which they're always doing. They want to mm -hmm. insert ads into all of my family and friends that I wish to keep track of. Because uh -huh. they, they track that. And, and as they're inserting ads, it's, it's changing the focus, if you will, of what the mouse 
field is pointing into. And, yeah. and, and, and we used to have this applications are not supposed to change the focus when they do that. So right. I believe, I speculate that there's something is changing your focus on your computer. Yep. And, and you know how like you guys, you could have several different applications, mm-hmm. but when you click on the left application and, and it turns blue, and so you know that's the highlighted application. That that's the program that's in focus. If Facebook is is throwing ads out there, mm-hmm. in, in inserting them into your you know your field of view, your your the program you're losing focus. Ah, yeah. could could it be the resolution she has the screen set at? I mean, uh, mm. with all due respect, as we get a little bit older, we like the bigger numbers, and maybe. With Facebook making a change, like Ed is saying, it's not finding enough space on the screen hmm. to build that particular box or unit, so it compresses it and moves it over. What would you suggest? I don't think <clears throat> I'd go to a higher resolution. A higher resolution, it, yeah. Okay, it's going to make the fonts and, and and the icons a little bit smaller, but it'd be a you know it'd be a test just to see if that might do it. All right, Jenny, I'll have to test it out when we get and, home, okay? And try an external mouse, Thank possibly. you. And an external Thank mouse. You. <laughs> You're welcome, man. Take care. All right, that's my beloved Jenny Brown. We had some problems, and I hope it'll help you out as well. Sounds like Facebook may be part of the problem as well. Back in just a second, as uh, after this break, we continue to solve some problems for you. Thank you so much for having been with us on this uh, podcast of the Internet Advisor. We're going to be wrapping things up by... Um, tackling a question that has been coming to us from a number of people and that is the question about my computer is an older computer um i don't have a ton of money around to buy a brand new one but um is there kind of a balance point where i can either upgrade or buy a new one and let's say i haven't got a lot of money around for that what do i do well in the first hour we talked about the option of increasing ram as being one of the first things that you can do and we had some other things that we were saying there as well All right, guys, let's tackle this next step then. Let's say that I've increased RAM in it and gotten a little bit of a boost, but the point is that underneath the hood of that old machine, I've got a hard drive that's been cranking away, spinning away mechanically for five years. Uh, Could that be part of the problem? Definitely. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, things going to get, it's going to get old, it's going to get tired, and, and there's no real way that you as a user can actually do any maintenance to it to right. make it, you know, continue going. Sooner or later, it's got it's got its life. It's only going to last so long. Right. Uh, and and I will say that the hard drive manufacturers have gone a long way to do error correction, and they, there's a, they do a lot of fixes in the background that we never see yep. on the on the actual hard drives. Nothing to do with Windows. It's called the smart. Um, right. You know the smart. Uh, what is that smart? Smart. Oh, uh, S-M-A-R-T, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it's a way that the hard drives actually do error correcting, and if there's a bad space on there, the hard drives actually will copy the data and move it somewhere else and mark that spot as bad. And so imagine having a, a record player like we used to have in the old days, and oh, if yeah. you ever got a scratch or, or a skip, imagine that the records could actually fix themselves so you never hear that skip again, and that's what really hard drives do in the background. So. That's even with uh, the mechanical hard drives nowadays. Yes. Yes. They can do that kind of thing. So uh, so over time, that thing's going to wear. It's going to have some issues going on with it that you that will result in making your computer run slower because it's trying to read a hard drive. It's got errors, so it takes longer for it to read it and mm-hmm. get it back to memory, to get it memory into the processor, and then deliver to you the screen the results that you're looking for. 
So if you're going to upgrade your hard drive, you have three different choices out there. You can go for another replacement full mechanical hard drive, and they usually come in 5,400 RPM or 7,200 RPM flavors. Mm-hmm. The second choice you can go for is what they call, well, Apple calls it a fusion drive, but it's really called a hybrid drive in all circles. And that's basically what they've done is they take a mechanical drive and they've added an SSD or a solid state drive. Mm-hmm. to but one, that has no moving parts. Right, to one assembly. And then what you can do with that is, depending on how the software is that comes with the drive, you can set it up so that you load your operating system only in the SSD portion of it and everything else goes into the mechanical portion. Typically, what's the balance between the SSD and the hard drive? It depends. Uh, when they first came out, they were relatively small. They'd be 8 gig, uh, 16 gig in the SSD portion of the drive. Uh, the mechanicals could be anywhere from 500 gig to a terabyte gig sure. in size. Okay. Uh, so you can go that way, and it'll give you some increased performance on your machine, especially okay. on boot up, because the operating system is loading off the SSD, which reads much, much faster than the mechanical assembly. Right. And then the third way to go is go with a full SSD drive, which is all um, a basically, basically solid state. There's mm-hmm. no moving parts. So therefore, it works at the speed of electricity as opposed to the speed of mechanical and electricity. Okay. Is there a break point, guys, where uh, you have an older machine that, that it won't take that? Is there any point that you could say, my t- machine is too old to get taken at SSD? You have to take a look at the BIOS and check with the manufacturer to see whether or not okay. that machine will support an SSD drive. Yeah, but usually if it's, if it's my wife's computer is seven years old and it took an SSD without a problem. Oh, wow. Yeah, I think basically if it has a SATA interface on the back of it and you can plug it in. A serial ATA, right. It'll so it's pr- SATA, it the SATA, okay. Right, yeah. Now, the size may be an issue because his seven-year-old computer that he did for his wife, how big was that hard drive he put Just in? Just 250. Yeah. And, and I bought a 240 gigabyte solid-state drive. I mean, which is pretty much the limit. They can get those for about 100 bucks. Yeah, they're incredibly cheap nowadays. Yeah, if you're, doing an, if you're doing an upgrade, you're probably going to be in about that size or neighborhood. They do make them in, in 512, and they make them in, I think they might make them in a one terabyte size now. They may. But they mm. are very pricey when you get to they the are. I mean, so it's not, up, yeah. yeah, so you're, it's just not, if I was to get double that, I mm-hmm. mean, I'm not looking at, uh, I'm looking at over $200, and I can, I can almost buy a brand new computer. Well, then, that, then that's a good point, that, you know, Keep this in mind, folks. You may get a lot, a lot of uh, performance, but if you're dollars and cents, not, you could be getting to a place where you're actually be better off driving. My wife, I did computer. not need a hard drive upgrade because if I was losing space on there, I still had plenty of space. I had a hundred gigabyte of of space. The only thing she does on there is internet, you know, browsing, email, Facebook, and photos. She has lots of photos she updates. But so I got the same size hard drive that I think thought I could f- afford. And I copied, I used a cloning utility. That Talk about the steps that you went through, because it's kind of interesting, I think. What I did is that my wife had an existing computer, and it was eligible for running Windows 10, but we didn't do that. So I, I, I bought a solid-state hard drive, that, and I hooked it up externally to a USB interface, because okay. I have one of those. And then I used a cloning program that is available on... Um, um, a Heron's boot CD. Okay. So I powered the computer up and using Heron's boot CD and I said clone this drive that's in this computer to this external drive mm-hmm. and 
they was cloned. And then all I had to do was take and when the you hard clone drive. it, it's the whole shooting match. It's everything. the operating system. Everything is over there. Yep. In a bootable configuration. In a boot. In other words, you can start the computer from that external hard drive. Right. Okay. The nuance that I had to do is because Windows did not rec- Windows Seven did not recognize this solid state hard drive as being solid state. It mm. should have, and it didn't. Huh. Manufacturer said it would. So I had to go in there and tell Windows, never ever defrag this hard drive. Because you remember, when you're running a solid state, there's no reason to defrag right, anymore. Right. So I had to disable Windows defrag in Windows 7 because defrag is always running in the background. Okay. And well, you'll you'll wear out your solid state hard drive in a year if you have defrag running. Mm, wow. Be- you could only have so many so many reads and writes to the hard drive. Ah, okay. That's Can you actually boot from an external drive with Windows? Or does it have to be in the computer? I haven't tried that. No, it's not a Mac. I don't think I can do that with the okay. PC. No, I don't think so. Okay. Well, then not I'm wrong, Mac. but I said you can't. I, I was taking that's, the cue for That's the you. reason why I was getting clarification. Now, see, on the Mac side, it's a little bit different. Uh, I would it, I would do something similar to what Ed's talking about, but just with a slight twist. I get an external drive for the Mac. I would clone my drive using either Carbon Copy Cloner or Super Duper. Both of them are freeware to use. And I would clone the entire drive over to the external drive. Right. Now that I have it over to the external drive in the in the enclosure, I would apply the updates to the external drive. Ah. And then once it was all the applied over there and I had that operating system on the external drive like I did with Yosemite, then I can boot from the external drive to my computer. And if everything works fine, I'll test it for a week or two. If everything's great, then I can take that drive out of that enclosure, install it into my it. my computer, and I'm good to go. If it. it comes out that it's really gone sideways, I just disconnect the external drive, and my machine is exactly the way it was Right. And that, that's the way I, I mean, we could go back to your original hard drive and she'd be exactly the way she was. And we did see a, a substantial in, increase in performance by doing that with a solid state hard drive. Yeah. Okay. So after you had uh, cloned it uh, to the external drive, right. you were then able what to take that out of that package then and put it physically into the computer? Yeah. With some sticky glue and some gum, I was <laughs> able to put that in there. Yep. And then everything worked great. Yeah. Excellent. I hope that this has helped some of you out there who are wondering, what should I do? Can I, should I upgrade? And uh, I hope that today you've heard of some ways in which you can upgrade your computer rather than having to buy a whole brand new one for a fairly substantial less amount of money. Thanks so much for being with us, Ed. Thank you for being here, Ed Riddell and Kel Carson. Thank you. Nothing says happy sweetest day like the Internet Advisor. (laughs) We will be back again next week to help you out. And by the way, if you enjoy this program, listen to the podcast and share it with some friends of yours as well. We'll be back at internetadvisor.net with the full show notes and all two hours of our podcast as well by Sunday night. Thanks so much for joining us here. Mike Stett, thank you. Uh, Thank you very much for being with us here on the other side of the glass, helping us out. And for Shannon Maley as well. My name is Foster Brown. Co-host normally with me is Mr. Gary Baker. And we'll look for you again soon here. You've been listening to the Internet Advisor Show, Detroit's longest-running, locally-produced computer show, with Foster Brown, Gary Baker, and our team of experts. For more information about our weekly show, to ask a question of our experts, or find the show notes for this podcast, visit internetadvisor.net. And look for us on Facebook and Twitter. Don't forget to check the other great podcasts available on this podcastdetroit.com network. Thank you for listening.